This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. I am Sarah Jane Case, and this is Enneagram and Coffee. Hello, friends. Happy Wednesday. I hope your week is treating you well. Today, I'm answering questions texted into the podcast phone line. But first, today's Rosebud and Thorn. My rose today is that I found a decaf candy cane green tea at Trader Joe's and I am in love. I think all of my roses may be about special beverages. I think that's becoming a theme. My thorn today is that I am coming down with, I think, a bit of a cold. Honestly, it makes sense. My kiddo had a cold last week. I've been traveling a lot. I'm just not happy about it. I feel like I just got better from one and then here we are again. Not not thrilled. It's a thorn. My bud is that for the rest of 2022, I'll be sharing my highlights of the year with you. My favorite episodes are ones that I don't want you to miss, so stay tuned for that. And today, I am answering several questions texted into the podcast phone line. I normally answer one per episode these days, but there were a few in there, and I just didn't want to leave them while we were doing our replays. So we're hopping right in. Question number one, I am a type four, and after an intense few years of my due to the pandemic and personal struggles, I'm worried I'm only leaning into negative sides of stress and lines and wings. Let me explain. I'm taking on the harsh inner critic of a one, always exhausted and angry at myself for not doing enough or being capable enough, in a Sisyphean effort at perfectionism. My three wing is hard at work ensuring I look successful and perfect to others, even though I don't feel it. My five wing fiercely protects my energy and isolated me so I don't endure more potential struggle. Is it possible this is the case. And sometimes we're only internalizing the worst of our type structure. And what do we do when we seem unable to access the best? So this is totally possible. And when this happens, I like to ask myself a series of questions. So I'm going to give them to you. Number one, what is draining my energy right now? Oftentimes when we're struggling to grow or struggling to be like our quote unquote best self, we're tired. <laughs> like There's just something taking away our resources, our ability to kind of use our resources. So what is draining my energy right now? What am I trying to protect? Maybe I feel threatened or guarded. Maybe there's something there. Am I learning something new or trying to conquer something new? This is actually something that I got when thinking about parenting. I was reading up on, you know, just like back when our kiddo was like maybe three and he was kind of going through some stuff and it was just kind of like a difficult season. And I read up about it and it was saying like maybe they're learning something new right now learning a new skill and that can make it hard for them to sleep. It can make them more tender, make them like cry more easily. And 
I give that to myself these days. Like, am I learning something new, right? Am I trying to conquer something new? Am I learning a new skill emotionally? It's just making me a little less like resourced at the moment. And then where can I offer myself more nourishment? What we tend to do when we feel like, oh, I'm operating at the lower levels, then I need to fix myself. That actually feels a lot like self-rejection, right? Which actually just like increases our inner critic and increases that mentality. But instead, I want you to ask yourself, where can I offer myself more nourishment? And then pour love in, which is going to allow you the space to even like lovingly consider where you could grow, right? So often for me, that means resting, meditating, adding in some yummy vegetables, making sure I'm drinking my water, therapy, movement, making emotional discipline a priority. If you've been familiar with my work for a while, you may know that I don't usually like the word discipline. I prefer curiosity. Like instead of fixing myself and controlling myself, I want to understand myself and heal myself, right? And work with like pouring love in. But I have been playing with emotional discipline lately, catching myself when I want to get caught up in like self-defeating patterns and pausing long enough to really choose something different. So that can be helpful and nourishing for me as well. Also, remember as we make some things a priority, we're going to have to let other things go. So make sure that your inner critic is prepared for that. So as you start to think about how can I nourish myself, how can I pour myself, you know, bring love in here, how can I start to choose some emotional discipline. Maybe you're not meal prepping as much or maybe you're not making your bed every morning. I don't know what your things are, but like some of these things you're holding yourself to really high standards of, you might need to release in order to get to a place where you feel nourished, rested, and supported so that you can operate out of those like higher levels of behavior. I hope that was helpful. Question number two. Hi there. I loved your newest episode about Enneagram and kids and was wondering what books or resources you suggest when introducing the Enneagram to kids. I would love to start talking about it with my oldest soon. So my favorite book for this is Nina and the Really, Really Tough Decision. It's a book written specifically for kids and it does a really good job of making the Enneagram act like putting it into real life situations. It's basically this girl, Nina, she's walking through the world asking people for advice. And every person who gives her advice is a different Enneagram type. And they're obviously giving her advice from the perspective of their type. And I think it just puts the Enneagram into really simplistic messages and puts it into the real world as a practice. And I think it's a great place to start having those conversations. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Question three. 
My name is Shane. Hi, Shane. I know who you are. I am a middle school teacher, specifically seventh grade. I was wondering if you have any tips on how I might incorporate the Enneagram into a teaching practice. I know typing my students would not be in any way a goal, but strongly feel that either through considering my students' possible type structures or considering my own, I can improve my practice of teaching. For context, I'm a social Enneagram 4 with the dominant 5 wing. I'm constantly looking for ways to make mine a more mindfulness-centered classroom. And with how my study of the Enneagram has changed my life and relationships, I know it can help my teaching too. Any tips you have would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. Yeah, you know, I think we did actually do an episode on teaching and burnout with the Enneagram that might be interesting to you, specifically like how do you manage your time or how do you not burn out based off of your Enneagram type. But in terms of like contextually, I think just using the the context of the Enneagram to ask yourself the question, what is this bringing up in me? can be so helpful. I imagine specifically teaching middle school, you're getting a lot of experiences and feedback. So being able to say like, whoa, what is this bringing up for me can help it to like not be about like the students and what they're doing, but more about like what it reminds you of in your life. But I also kind of wonder if you could teach them the Enneagram and have these conversations. Um, We talked about the book, Nina and the Really, Really Tough Decision. Um, I don't think this is going to be like the coolest thing for students, your like seventh graders. So you might more so use this book as a guide for how you could talk about to them, right? Like how do you, how do they tend to problem solve? Like that being a really good place to start. I know that I have teachers who use my books in their classrooms, but they're typically more in college, um, college aged. But I remember taking the Myers-Briggs when I was in middle school, like for the first time. And it was really helpful to have the conversation and that understanding of self because I think at that age, right, I'm you're looking for who am I? I think we all in adolescence are experiencing that for experience of like, what's my identity? Who am I in the world? Who am I going to be in the world? And I think the Myers-Briggs offered me a sense of like, oh, maybe I'm like a leader. Maybe I am a, an idea person. You know, it gave me a lot of information. And I think the Enneagram offers even more depth to that. So potentially even bringing the Enneagram conversation into your classroom could be cool. I don't know if you're a math teacher, you know, but if you're an English teacher, it could be a journaling practice. Maybe, I don't know how being a teacher works. You know, maybe you can do journaling practices in math class. I don't know. You know, my seventh grade class specifically, my teacher's often collaborated together to create little experiences for us. Like I think one time we made sushi and it was out of context, but like that's really memorable for me, right? It stood out to me. And so it could be really fun. I don't know. That's something to think about. I think um, Nina and the really, really tough decision would be a great place for you to think about how can I make this digestible for my students? I think it would be too young for them, but I think it would be a good starting place for you if you wanted to have that conversation with them. All right, next question. Final question is, hi, my name is Kimber. Hi, Kimber. Longtime Enneagram fan here. I am a three-wing two and my best friend and romantic partner are both sevens. I've seen a pattern in both of these relationships where I struggle to take up space when I'm needing support and not feeling my best. When that's paired with the sevens challenges, staying with negative emotions and appearing selfish, this is at least the judgment I find myself saying about them. I can sometimes leave conversations feeling not seen and heard as I truly wanted. Any advice for navigating the 3-7 dynamic? 
Thanks. Yeah, I do have my one of my best friends is a three, uh, and I love that relationship. So I think I do have some thoughts. The first is, you know, it's relatable, right? Both sevens and threes struggle to be seen in their weakness. And so it could be hard to create a space in the relationship where that comes in. But my three best friend and I have actually recently been working on that. And partially because we're both in therapy, that helps, you know, but also he just kind of named it um, and said like, hey, I really struggle with this. And I was like, me too. And so then now we're just kind of starting to have those conversations more often. Um, We have a, we've been friends for like 16, 17 years. So like we have a lot of context for depth there, but just randomly texting each other other out of the blue and saying, I'm having a really hard time, isn't really our MO, right? Like, because we're both very self-reliant and just kind of think like, I need to just take care of myself. It can be hard. And like, it can be hard to know, like, what's the point, you know, of like texting someone. But when we do, it feels really nice to know you're not alone. You know, it is nice. So I think we have that dynamic now because he's doing work on himself. I'm doing work on myself. And I think in general, we've both have always kind of been more naturally empathetic toward other people. So it may be different. I don't know your partner and your friend and how that looks for them. But um, if they maybe aren't as naturally, like just once you share, they kind of jump right in, you might need to tell them exactly what you need. Um, I think back to being in college and how I used to be so bad about wanting to cheer everyone up. And so if someone was talking to me about something they were going through, I would be making jokes or trying to lighten the mood instead of really just listening and empathizing. And here's the thing is I thought I was doing what was best for them. I thought I was making them happy, right? I was making them laugh. I was helping them escape their emotions because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to run away from my emotions. So I thought the best thing I can do for them is to help them run away from their emotions, which obviously I didn't know that's not what everyone needed, right? That that's oftentimes the opposite of what someone wants. So I I had to learn that skill. And I think that's something that your friend and your partner may need to learn. The reality is every three, all of us, but three specifically need at least one relationship in their life where they are fully seen in their weakness. So I just want to say like, if you try these things with your partner and your friend and it doesn't work, right? If you say like, this is exactly what I need from you and they still can't show up that way. Um, maybe you're looking for a new friendship right now that can fill that role for you. Maybe they're not the ones right now to be those people, but you can find someone who can be that person. And that's also totally okay. Like every relationship isn't going to fulfill everything we need it to fulfill. And that's a tough cookie to swallow, you know, like that, like we might need to go to other people for support at times. But if you, you know, you try your best and trying your best is going to be like being vulnerable, asking for exactly what you need, um, reminding them of what that need is when, when the time arises, that's the most you can really do. And then if that can't be met, then maybe you're looking for someone who can be that for you. If that's not a friend, maybe it's a therapist, you know, someone to talk to for a while. I think that's always best, you know? And if for couples, you know, always couples therapy is always the right move. I don't think there's ever a time where like that's the wrong choice. So I hope this is helpful. Thank you guys for sending in your questions. Thank you for being here. And I will see you tomorrow for the next one. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite.